Hey everyone, this is Brian Ferguson. I know if you're watching this that you're enjoying the Bumps and Thumps podcast. In order to continue the podcast and get the guests on that everyone wants to hear about, we need support from listeners like you. There are a few ways you can do this. One is going to anchor.fm, which will be on the bottom of your screen here, and click the uh, support button. There you can make a monthly contribution uh, to support the podcast. There's also, our, we have a Teespring store. We have a link down at the bottom of the screen as well for that. And we have products such as t-shirts like this one I'm wearing, backpacks, glassware, and other great items for you to purchase. Those purchases go directly back into the podcast and get on guests that require financial compensation. Thank you again for your support. Go to those websites and, and support our podcast, and we will continue to bring the guests that you want to hear about past and present. And thank you for your support and enjoy the podcast. Thank you for joining another edition of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. I'm Brian Ferguson. My guest today is a photographer who photographed many pro wrestling matches and wrestlers in Minnesota during the 1990s. It is my pleasure to welcome Mr. Mark A. Peterson. Mark, thanks for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Brian, thank you so much for asking me. It's not very often someone asks a photographer to kind of show their pictures and tell their oh. stories. So I really appreciate you asking me. No, it's my pleasure. Um, thank you for reaching out. Um, if, uh, full disclosure here, uh, Mark and I have been kind of messaging back and forth for a little while. And uh, thought it was interesting to have a photographer. You don't have that too often. And uh, photographs are very important in the, in the business. I mean, it, it, it truly is. I mean, it captures uh, a wrestler's you know his face their body language their expressions and it's it's a it's an underappreciated uh job i will say that so thank you mark for reaching out and coming on i really appreciate it so yeah and, and thank you for saying that because i you know that's totally how i felt too we were kind of working under the radar and not yeah. many people saw us and then it seemed like it was such um there's so many hurdles to go through just to get like a picture published in a national magazine. Yeah. You know, so we can talk about that. So I do, I do appreciate you. Oh, you bet. So let's talk a little bit uh, before we get started on the, on the pictures and all that. Let's talk a little bit about growing up. Where did you grow up and, and uh, your schooling and things like that? Give us a little back. Okay. Well, I, I grew up uh, in a little neighborhood. It is kind of a suburb of St. Paul. It's called Lauderdale and it's right next to Falcon Heights, which is, fairly close to the Minnesota State Fairgrounds and the U of M St. Paul campus just off of Highway 280 in Larpenter. And I went to the Roseville area schools. And so it's really kind of a, like a small town uh, in between two big cities because two miles to the west is downtown Minneapolis and seven miles to the east is downtown St. Paul. And then in addition to that, you know, my dad's brother owned a little service station and then an uncle owned a little convenience store. And then aunt and uncle lived down the street and grandma lived three blocks away and aunt and uncle lived around the corner. So it was really kind of a great way to, to be brought up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally understand. 
let's talk about schooling. Um, did you go to some uh, schooling for your photography or how did you end up becoming a photographer? Well, photography has kind of been one of those interests that I got really early on. I remember it was like a seventh grade industrial arts class where we had to take pictures and do the, you know, develop the film. And I was really intrigued by the whole process. And then in ninth grade, I took photographics again. And then for an elective, I took it again in 10th grade and then again, took it in 11th grade. And then my brother and I bought a, a camera. Uh, Pentax MV1, we had to kind of convince my mom and dad to let us use their credit card to buy this camera. And then I was off and run. it was one of those things where I didn't realize at the time, but I think in pictures, you know, Yeah. and in very short order, my brother just went by the wayside. He doesn't, I mean, he can't even use a point and shoot, you know, <laughs> uh, he, he was, he got into cars and I got into photography and it was like every Christmas or holiday or birthday parties, someone would say, hi, Marks, good to see you. Did you bring your camera? You know, and another first love of mine was animals. So, of course, I was um, taking pictures of animals. And then um, another reoccurring theme in my life was the love of pro wrestling. It was always on at the house. But yeah. again, my brother went his way. My mom just thought it was kind of this quirky thing Mark was involved in. My dad, you know, just thought like the crusher was humorous, but it wasn't their thing. Yeah. And then, so I just kind of um, got into photography and then probably around um, the early 1990s, we had, um, there was a wrestling radio show. I think it was called Wrestle Radio. Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to be Ray Webby Jr. who was a promoter. And then a couple other people. And so I listened to that every Sunday night and they were talking about, um, the matches that they had out in Ropers, which was known as George's at the time in Fridley. And then uh, I moved away for a couple of years and came back and my, my mom, my mom got sick. And so um, I was kind of looking for things to do. So I'd attend those matches like um, religiously every month. And then at one point around February, March 90, I think maybe 91, I asked Ray Webby if there's anything I could do. And he says to me, can you take pictures? And I said, yeah. And I don't know why he asked me that. Yeah. Um, and he said, are you any good? And I <laughs> lied and said, yes. <laughs> and so I, you know, rather than paying the $10 admission, I'd show up with my camera at George's and Fridley, which was just like a dive bar and started taking like really awful photos. And then uh, as the months went on, I would show the wrestlers and then they would say, you know, you're getting better. It's like, okay. And then around uh, May of 91, I bought like a, a newer digital camera mm -hmm. that was still film, but it had all the, you know, the bells and whistles the, so I could catch the images. And then uh, someone says, you know, you should send those in to Bill Apter, um, mm -hmm. yeah. who is a very well-known photographer and editor. Mm -hmm. And so I started sending pictures. I think I still have the first note he sent me back saying these are great, but we need them labeled on the back. So at the time, it was still uh, film cameras. And so I would literally submit my film to Target um, for like 24-hour processing, get two set of prints, stamp everyone on the back, label them, ship them off, and in hopes that they would buy five or six prints. Yeah. And if, if they were nice, they would pay for four and buy three. And then I would like never see them again until I had... Uh, <laughs> A couple of friends that worked at, at a magazine store that would let me know, hey, Mark, this month you have two photos in there. Yeah. A lot of times they weren't 
a lot of times they were not credited, um, but I knew they were mine. And like the Holy Grail was to see a full page of like Tommy Ferrara, you know, throwing someone and I'll I'll probably scroll through that one. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that's kind of how I got started was Ray Webby Jr. Uh, who was a really nice guy, a great promoter. He did rock and wrestle for the homeless. And um, he was just one of those stand-up guys, which yeah. is few and far between in the wrestling business, you know? Yeah. So um, that's kind of how it got started. That's really interesting. Um, <clears throat> you know, when I was a kid and I went to those matches and stuff, uh, some of my friends, they'd make fun of me and all that. And all it's fake, all that stuff. And it would... You know, but there's such a, a diverse group of people that that like wrestling that people don't expect to like it. Um, and and for you especially, uh, you know, photography, uh, which you said you love animals, uh, you know, and I, I hate to say this because I get, when you look at somebody, you're like, how can that guy be a pro wrestling fan? You know, if I didn't, know what you did and i saw you like you're a a professor as well i believe right at the college yeah i'm I'm working on my doctorate of education leadership i'm in the um dissertation phase right now see so you're i know you're really busy i i understand that so you know the thing about it's kind of an anomaly because i i you know shy away from anything violent um i certainly you know i wouldn't watch a fight um but there was something about the action of pro wrestling you know um like baseball never held my interest and Vikings never really held my interest. Um, soccer didn't hockey, you know, I mean, that's almost too much action for watching that puck. And so wrestling had characters, had music. And I was kind of, um, a teenager when the 1985, you know, mm-hmm. the rock and rock and wrestling and action with Hulk Hogan and all yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So that just kind of sucked me in. And that was my thing. I'm, not into um superheroes or video games and so wrestling kind of was my thing yeah you know i mean it was a little bit out of the ordinary but normal enough you know and i was a a shy kid with like low self-esteem low confidence so hiding behind that camera was great you know yeah i remember when i was a kid i used to watch the awa i mean i'm from originally from wisconsin rice lake wisconsin a couple hours northeast of okay. uh, minneapolis there st paul and uh you know every sunday morning i would watch you know Vern, Ganya, bachwinkle patera all those guys crusher i have on my shirt here uh and i just absolutely loved it and my parents thought i was you know loony uh my dad would get all bent out of shape for me watching it and but you know, I loved it. I uh, still do. And um, yeah, so let's talk about a little bit. Uh, you know, you started out in this uh, promotion in Minnesota and you have a lot of pictures. What other promotions uh, did you get in contact with or did they contact you? And, uh, and how did that all work for you? Well, I basically just kept my ear to the grindstone. There was um, Wade Keller came up with his pro wrestling torch, and occasionally you would see upcoming, you know, matches. And then mm-hmm. Nick Karch had his Saturday Night at Ringside program, and so occasionally you would see um, or hear of events coming. And then um, pro wrestling was pro wrestling America was Eddie Sharkey's promotion. That was about once a month, mm-hmm. and then he would sometimes referee for other things. So I would just hear about it, but. 
uh, AWA was dead. I mean, they yeah. pretty much died. Uh, their last ditch efforts was the um, those two in May and June of 1990. Uh, their super cards, and then it was like about 9,000 people showed up, which was just puzzling to me because I was there six years earlier when there's 19,000, you know. Yeah. And so then about um, mid 19, about 95, um, WCW did their Monday Night Nitro debut at the Mall of America. And so I got uh, press credentials through Bill Apter's organization. And they gave me um, a Friday night of the um, Labor Day weekend. Hulk Hogan showed up at the Hard Rock Cafe and then, you know, Macho Man and a few other the big names to did promotions. And then I got in with another photographer there to the Hard Rock. They gave us a free meal. I got my pictures, you know, you see the picture of Hogan with his hands around my throat. Um, And then um, the Monday Nitro debuted, but I still didn't get, um, they wouldn't let me at ringside. So I had to be behind the barriers. Okay. And then um, about a month later, they did a bass fishing tournament invitational at Lake Minnetonka. So I got pictures there. And then about a year later, they did a pay-per-view in Sturgis, South Dakota. That was a pretty neat card. They set the ring up in the middle of a field and around the ring was like bikers on their bikes. <laughs> and so that was like a three-hour pay-per-view. And yeah. so those are kind of the only shows I did um, with WCW. Yeah. And it wasn't really like the organization hired me. I was more like a freelance. So I would just take the pictures and send them off to um, GC London Publishing Company, which owned the Bill After magazines at the time, okay. and just hopes that they would publish them. And then um, a couple of years, no, about two or three years prior, um, a promoter by the name of Dennis Corluzzo got rights to the NWA name and started smaller shows, and Sean Waltman helped organize that. So. Okay. I did some shows for them that got published, but it basically was just to show up. And if they let me in the building, take pictures. I remember showing up at one small card in Somerset, Wisconsin, where they said no pictures, no photos. Yeah. And I basically just called my editor and tell him why you're not allowing me. And it was just, you know, some idiot helping out at the, you know, yeah. at the card. And so <laughs> I got pictures there and it was kind of um, a hobby that, didn't really pay for itself, but I broke even if I was lucky, you know, because yeah, yeah. they didn't pay much per photo at the time, but it was one of those things. It was something I could do. It was my niche. You know, I'm not very big. Uh, I think everyone involved in the wrestling business wants to be a wrestler someday, some way, somehow, but that just wasn't my reality. <laughs> so this was something I could do. And then around 1997, I wanted to go back to school and I got a master's in mass communications. And so there was another kid that showed up at the cards quite frequently. And I said, do you have a camera? He said, yes. Uh, he got the same kind of camera I did. And then uh, his name is Wayne McCarty. So you might want to visit with him, you know, after we're finished. Because he, he took over from me in the 90s and the 2000s. Okay. And, he, you know, again, he started, but he's great now. Yeah. And he's since retired, um, which is kind of odd for me to say whoever took over from me is not retired, you know, <laughs> but I mean, the only thing I can say is I had a good run, Yeah. you know, and I've been reminiscing about how good of a run by seeing some of these photos. So, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's really interesting. I don't know if you want to get into Yeah, we can. I was going to ask you one more question. I know the WWE slash F would, uh, would not let uh, outside photographers in there at their shows for quite a few years. Uh, that's what Bill after told me that when I did a podcast with him a, a couple of years back, did you ever, were you ever able to get anything from a, a show prior uh, after they lifted that thing or did you ever do well, that? No, I never shot anything for the WWE or WWF or, you know, at a card. But the funny thing was is that I was his former stars yeah. Once they, you know, exited the WWE, so I got like Nails, and I got like Mike Enos, and Barry Darso, who was yeah. like three different characters, yeah. and so they were always looking for work, and so I got them afterwards, and sometimes they would use the same gimmick, you know? Yeah. So it was a much better thing, because you're right, they were really controlling, but they had really good photographers. I There's just no way my equipment and my skills could do what they did because I'd yeah. see the magazines and their photo shoots. And so, and there, they were like a well-oiled machine. So yeah. um, I didn't really feel slighted, but yeah. no, I just never really did anything for the WWF or WWE. Okay. And I was okay with that actually. Yeah. So. You probably would have had a lot of uh, constraints on you. I would assume there's such, there's such the. Well, big... I know they, they kind of wanted you to, they kind of wanted you to wear to, to wear black and then like not use a flash and not be seen. Well, you can't really take pictures cause you got to get in through the ropes, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. I get it. They're, they're doing their main EV. And so if you want me to not be seen, I don't know how I could do that. You know, yeah. like at the Sturgis card, um, I was on a platform, like, I don't know, 300 feet away and my lens wasn't big enough. And so after uh, kind of pitched a fit that I didn't get close enough, it's like, well, they didn't really allow me. So I jumped down and as they're coming out to the entrance, I'd get my shots and then run back. So that wasn't ideal. Yeah. So the WWE would have been much more difficult, yeah. but again, I was okay with not, you know, yeah. working for the WWE. Okay. So. All right. Well, let's get started with these uh, pictures we have over here. Um well, as you watching, you can see them. For you, those of you listening, uh, sorry, you're not going to be able to see them, but we'll, uh, Mark can describe them for you. I'll try, I'll, I'll try to describe as much as yeah, possible. Go you know, ahead, Mark. I, I, okay. So are you able to see the one I got up now? Yeah, Baron Von Raschke is the first one. So, I mean, he's just such a character, right? He was <laughs> the one that I grew up watching as a kid. And so then the next thing you know, I mean, I'm there and he's doing his goose in his claw and he's you know every time he would see me he would just do this pose so he's basically doing a grimace in his red robe you know (laughs) and so the next shot is a sting steve borden with Mm -hmm. the face paint before he went to you know like the dark sting and then macho man and hulk hogan and then the guy on the right is steve mongo mcmichael who was a chicago bear football player now i don't know why they tapped him to do play-by-play or color commentary because he was awful yeah, he just he was. would use the word baby and it, it was awful. Yeah. And so, but that's who they chose to do Monday Nitro. So, and this was at Planet Hollywood, the Monday of the um, Labor Day uh, weekend. And then, of course, yeah. Ric Flair in the golden robe. And I just, this is a split second of time where I got him in the, in the woo, you know? Yeah. And so when I'm taking these pictures, you know, I am working, but in my head, I'm like a little 14 year old girl, like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, you know? <laughs> yeah. One of the most well known, you know, pro yeah. wrestlers in the world. Yeah. Then 
the next shot is Bobby the Brain Heenan and me and Gene Okerlund in Sturgis. And they had like a compound of like trailers and things. And when Bobby see me raise my camera, they weren't really talking or saying anything. So he knew. So he like posed for this photo. So that was kind of how nice he was. He didn't know me from Adam, you know. Right. And Gene was just a character, you know. In the Sturgis, we all showed up. I drove all night with my buddy. They had a storm the day, uh, the night of, and so it tore down the ring and the rigging and everything. So they had to rebuild everything. And Gene walks into this press conference and says, looks at all of us, we're all bedraggled, you know. And he says, what? There's no one own a razor in the whole town of Sturgis, you know, because everyone was like, you know, beards and stuff. So the whole, you know, he was just a, just a character. Yeah. You know? So speaking of characters, the next one is Doink the Clown. And this is Matt Bourne or Matt Osborne. And he came to um, North Emory as a part of an NWA show. Okay. Again, this is one of those WWE guys that is past his prime. They had mm-hmm. run the Doink, the Doink, you know, um, storyline or whatever. Yeah. And he was basically looking for, you know, um, to kind of recapture what he had. Yeah. And the strange thing was, he climbed underneath the ring and got his eye gashed by one of the spikes hanging down. So he oh. was like really upset the whole. Match. Oh, ouch! So I don't know. Yeah. If, uh, Okay, so I, we didn't talk about this, but the next one is Terry Funk, and I don't know if you're able to show that video clip or not of me um, almost getting killed by Terry Funk. I saw, I saw it. I watched it. Uh, yeah, I don't have it available. I wish I did, but uh, that was uh, that was totally like out of the blue, and uh, yeah, that was. I mean, you didn't even do anything, really, did you? If I remember right, you just were there. Wrong I, place, I, wrong time. I just took his picture, and he was cat. You know, he's coming at me, and I took his picture. Deshaun Waltman, after the matches, he said, "Mark, you know, you were really lucky because he, he did hurt." Like Jimmy Suzuki was a Japanese photographer. I'm like, well, I didn't do anything, but apparently, you know, he comes in normal as Terry Funk, and then he kind of goes into this cycle where he's got to become this madman and so he kind of just gets caught up in it and i don't know if that's a protective mechanism or what happened so yeah i was lucky but at one point um he is going after hawk at the american indian center they're up in the stands and on the bleachers and it was so crazy that i jumped up onto the ringside and eddie sharkey the referee was inside the ring and i fully expected eddie sharkey to say hey get down but I said, listen, I think it's safer up here. He looked at me and said, these guys are nuts. You know, now <laughs> when Eddie Sharkey calls someone nuts, you know, yeah. you know, things, things are out of control. So, but I got to say, um, like six or eight of my photos from the, that match made, you know, like a full like three, four page spread in the after magazine. So it was well worth it, you know. Oh, I'm, I'm sure so it that was kind of, Yeah. <laughs> I knew I ma- I knew I made it the big time when Terry Funk tried to kill me, you know. <laughs> so the next photo is um you know him as the big show, but he was known as the giant at the time in WCW <clears throat> with Jimmy Hart. That was in Sturgis, they were just coming to the ring. Now this next photo, um, this is what I would call a classic magazine shot because you're looking through the ropes. And so yes. you have one of the wrestlers that's on top putting a hold on, and that's Nails, yeah. uh, Kevin Wachholz. He's like twisting the neck of Road Warrior um, Hawk. And then you've got Eddie Sharkey in there checking, you know, if he's going to give up or asking a question. And so it's like perfectly framed. 
yeah. it tells a story that's yeah. kind of what you know i was after um mm -hmm. almost each time but of course it's all kind of catch as catch can and again uh, uh superfly jimmy snooki yeah. uh jimmy snooka one of the wwf legends is mm -hmm. like in hamlin university in st paul so it's like I can't believe what I'm seeing, you know, but again, yeah. I got a job to do. So I just capture the best I can. Yeah. Next one is the NWO. When they started that Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, uh, Ed Leslie, Bar Brutus, the barber beef, um, Kevin Nash, and, the, and they just killed the giant. So the giants flat on his back, you know, <laughs> and I got to tell you that night I was so tired. I had, you know, not enough water, not enough food, not enough sleep, but yeah. God, that was one of the best times of my life, you know. Yeah. Uh, next photo of Marcus Bagwell and Nick Patrick at the Mall of America. Okay. Um, uh, Hugh, Hugh Morris. Um, Hugh Morris. Bill, Bill Dermott, and he went on to be one of the trainers mm -hmm. at one of the camps down in, um, in Georgia. And I don't know if he's still active or not, but... I know he used to do uh, the performance center for WWE in, in, in Florida. I don't know if he still does. Uh, I know as uh, about two years ago, he was one of the head guys and, and uh, I don't know if he still does it or not though, but yeah. So he saw me and he, po he kind of posed for me. So I just really appreciate And again, like this one, Jimmy Hart and um, Brian Pillman, they saw yeah. me, they were signing autographs. At one point, my flash didn't go off. They said, your flash didn't go off. They kept sending autographs, and then when I was ready, they, so it's like, you know, I mean, that's all I needed, And yeah. but so many guys didn't do that, so, yeah. you know, I thank them profusely, and then another thing about taking these photos and seeing these photos again as I'm going through these is, like, this guy's dead. This guy's dead. This guy's yeah. dead, yeah. you know, and so it's just, it's and sad. this guy, it's really sad, and I just saw him, like, two weeks ago at a at a card in Stillwater, Minnesota. And he's like um, Lex Luger, Larry yeah. Fole. He's like in a wheelchair. He's yep. paralyzed. Yeah, His hands are like crippled and he's sending autographs to make money. It's like, you know, yeah. to go from this photo to how he is now, it's just really. Yeah, like I that, saw him you know? at uh, WrestleCon in Dallas and he looked pretty, didn't look very good. I'll just say that. I, I don't want to degrade the yeah, man, yeah. but uh he uh, he didn't look very good, and it's unfortunate. So, oh, the sheik. <laughs> no, I got to tell you a story. So every time I take a picture of the sheik, it says, "Sheik, you know, I need you to do your eyes." And this is what he would do. He yeah. was he was perfect. And so, um, a little bit uh, later down, we'll see some shots of he brought like a dancing girl, and so he wanted photos. So he came to my house, <laughs> and so he's in the he's in the driveway, sitting in a lawn chair, you know, putting on suntan lotion. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, 10 years earlier than this, and I wanted Greg Gagne and Vern Gagne to kill him in the middle of the ring. Yeah. And now he's at my house telling stories from Cleveland or something, you know? Yeah. And so just a, just a character, you know? <laughs> and so the, the next shot is one of my favorite shots, too, because it really captures kind of a split-second moment in time. Yeah, where this is the lightning, and he's doing like a running sidekick. And if you look closely, it almost looks like he kicked Billy Blaze's head off because it's bent backwards so far. Yeah, that and I don't even remember this hat. This happening is one of those things where I got the print back and I'm like, oh, so it's like I had to enlarge that, you know? Yeah, that's pretty cool. And so, of course, Lightning Kid goes on to become, you know, 
X-Pac and one, two, three kid and, you know, Six. a couple yeah. other things. Yeah. yeah. And so this is how it, you know, got started. Uh, this is another great shot where Mick Karch was interviewing Sir Oliver Humperdinck and Sabu. They just came in for that day, the NWA card in the okay. American Indian Center. Now, look at Mick Karch's face if you can. He's really pissed off <laughs> because Sabu is the wild man, right? Yeah. And he grabs Mick Karch by lapel, shakes him, and, and Mick's glasses go flying off into the crowd, which he was upset about, which I guess I would be too. Yeah. But what he found out later was Sabu says, take your glasses. So he was kind of mad at him, but it turned out it was okay if he just hurt him, you know? So yeah, yeah. Um, this is one of those, you know, so kind of behind the scenes. Um, uh, Sheik Adnan LTC with Barry Darso, and Barry was Blacktop Bully and the Repo Man and one half of Smash and I think Crusher Crusher. Crusher he's one of those. Yeah one of those guys that had um longevity in the business you know yeah. i don't know what he, i don't know what he's doing now he's probably selling trucks or something but yeah. one of those just nice guys that yeah, was able is. to survive you know yeah. by changing you know um gimmicks yeah. or whatever yeah uh th this was interesting this is chris candido yes. uh, he's now since passed yeah. He came to town and fought Brian Christopher, who was um, Jerry Lawler's son. Mm -hmm. And so it was interesting to see two heels come to town and, and what the crowd would do with that, you know? Yeah. So that was kind of an interesting. That, that was at Brooklyn Park, an NWA show. Okay. These two guys here um, were kind of like underrated and probably the best heel team in the Twin Cities for the PWA. Jamie okay. Mangan on the left went by The Hater. And then JR, who um, his name is JR Bonus, and he went by JR Carson, the Punisher. And they they could have done anything, but they just didn't go very far for whatever reason. Okay. That guy on the left looks uh, familiar, but yeah, I might have seen him somewhere at a card or something. He looks familiar. Yeah, he, he just never made it big, and I don't really know why. Um, this is Dennis Corluzzo. He was a lawyer by trade, but he wanted to resurrect the NWA and did his best. It was kind of a last-ditch effort, you know, mm -hmm. but he ran a few shows in, in Minnesota. And then, of course, Jerry Lynn on the right and um, Road Warrior Hawk. Again, oh, young uh, Jerry Lynn there. Yeah, he went through various <clears throat> stages, but he just, his personality was not really dynamic, you know, yeah. even though he yeah. went by dynamic Jerry Lynn. He didn't like to do interviews. He just wanted to wrestle, yeah. you know. So um, the next one is Horace, the psychopath, John. And um, this is kind of funny. He showed up at my house one time to take photos. He showed up, brought his gear, painted his face. We took the photos and they said, well, there's a shower in there if you want. He said, no, I'm fine. I said, you're going to drive home with that face paint on? He says, yeah, I do it from, you know, resting cars all the time. I said, well, have you ever gotten stopped, you know, by a police officer? He said, no. So he was one of those guys that was a little odd, and I can't really put my finger on why he was odd, but he just was. But he had a great gimmick at the time, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, again, that's um, – next one is young Jerry Lynn. I'll just go with these. Yeah. See, so, in my head, this is, a, this is a big deal, right? Hulk Hogan. Yeah is posing for me with Eric Bischoff and Mongo McMichael mm -hmm. with the belt. And so this, this guy on the right is like the ultimate idol. You know, mm -hmm. he was no one at the, in the eighties was as, as big and as golden and as, you know, muscular. So this was kind of my teenage, you know, childhood growing up. And then now he's like, you know, six feet away. So 
this was pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Uh, this is the Punisher um, in St. Anthony, uh, Minnesota with the Baron. So th again, this is a good magazine shot. It's yeah. good lighting. You can tell something's going on. You're looking inside, you know, the ring. Uh, Road Warrior Animal, I would, uh, Road Warrior Hawk, I would bring a uh, mirror with me when I would do a, a photo shoot and ask him, you know, is your makeup okay? And he really appreciated that, you know, because yeah. uh, attention, attention to detail. Uh, this is Sabu versus, I think it's Jerry Lynn's leg. Uh, Sabu was just a wild card, you know. He would uh, just oh, do weird man. stuff. and yeah. yeah. So here's the one where she came to my house and he brought, his, <laughs> he brought his dancing girl. So, you know, how do I explain this to my father other than, you know, I'm doing a wrestling shoot. Yeah. And so they did various poses in my backyard and I had this background. And again, I wanted to, you know, Vern Gagne to kill this guy 10 years yeah, earlier. Oh, yeah. So it's just pretty yeah. funny, you know, how yep. um, another one of the funniest. I'm going to, I'll click uh, through a few of these here. Okay. This is the Wild, Alask Wild Alaskan, um, Rick Renslow. Okay. Um, this is another good um, shot of Road Warrior Hawk versus um, Eddie Gilbert. Okay. And this was in Brooklyn Park, Brooklyn Park Minnesota, where... Um, it was an NWA show and I showed up and the first thing that the promoter says to me says, you know, do you have any medical training? And I said, well, yeah, you know, I work security. And he says, well, there's a medical emergency. I'm like, okay, well, cool. And he says, Brian Christopher. And I'm like, what? And he's like, Brian Christopher is not feeling well. He's got diarrhea. Okay. Well, that's not a medical emergency. <laughs> so I, so me being the nice guy, I go to like a local convenience store and I get some Imodium and then, oh, while I'm there, could you pick up some razor blades? <laughs> or Ebert. <laughs> so the stuff you're seeing on Eddie's face is because of me, because I bought him razor blades. <laughs> so that well, was, you know, you know, gotta do what you gotta do, I guess, right? <laughs> well, to me, that was like an acceptance, right? Right. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. It was still kind of in the, day, in the days of kayfabe, where you know, if anyone walked in the locker room, you'd kind of dummy up, you know. So yeah, yeah. the fact that they. They didn't know me, but the fact that they trusted me, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Right. This is a really good shot of um, the lightning kid on top. And Tommy Ferrara, who was like a local guy, he was a Vietnam veteran. He was like in his 40s when he was wrestling for PWA. An interesting thing about him was that he was like 5'11 when he started and like 5'9 when he finished oh, wrestling. All, of, all, the, all the slams literally shrunk him, you know? Yeah. And he would, yeah. Take, he would take a beating each and every match. But he would just come back and he would still sign autographs even after he was like heading off to the hospital, you know? So Gosh, that's what... uh, just one of those good workers. Yeah. Is Tony DiNucci, whose real name is Todd Perry. And he actually worked for the AWA towards the end there. He worked on those two cards in 1990. Okay. He, he wanted publicity shots. I brought him to a local um, golf course. And he rode his bike there, and I'm like, Tony, I need you up on the bike. And he refused me three times. <laughs> so he took off his shirt. I said, just trust me. So what ended up happening was he made copies of, he made 100 copies of this shot and other shots. Mm -hmm. Went to local cards in uh, northern Minnesota on a weekend. He sold 100 of these shots to fans on the Friday night. Went to a local Kinko's, got another 100 made, sold all them on a Saturday. Went to another and sold 300 on a Sunday. So he made like 300 bucks by this <laughs> shot that he didn't want to do. 
Well, there you go. They ain't trust you. Yeah, and, and then he he was he was worse than a little girl. He didn't like how his face looked in this shot, you know, at the <laughs> at the lake. And so pleasing some of these guys, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll click through. That's Baron. Baron. This is Brad Reagan. Brad Reagan. Um, Brad Reagan was um, he was the trainer of some of the guys. I was able to go to his camp, and where he was training uh, Jesse Hedding, who was um, Kurt's brother. Okay. And just one of those under, you know. Um, well-respected guys who this was his business. He was a trainer. That's what he did. Occasionally he would get into the ring, maybe yeah. help out with one of his, you know, trainees, mm -hmm. but he was just a good solid guy, you know, yeah. and didn't really get his due that he should have. So, no. yeah, I agree. Uh, this is the hater who had got his nose bloodied by Charlie Norris. Uh. And that's Charlie Norris. Charlie was going to, um, he had an audition for WWE and he was working out with Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard. And they're on the ellipticals and the treadmill. And he, they said, hey, hey, Charlie, we like everything about you. We like the headdress. We like you know, your natives. But we're not crazy about your physique. And so Charlie said, they stopped short of telling me to go on the steroids. And then within a matter of a couple of months, um, Chris Chavez, who got the role of, I think they called him, something like Tatanka or something. Tatanka, yeah. So that was Charlie Norris's shot. Uh, so he just made it in the WCW for a little bit and then faded off into the sunset. Yeah. Again, this is uh, Lex Luger mm -hmm. and the Lex for America tour. Uh, Steve Berg, he was like 6'11", and oh, wow. Jamie Mangan, it was, he never made a big either. Yeah. Um, this next picture is a shot of one of the midget wrestlers they didn't come here very often but some of the local shows would use them this is chris and he's from um missouri okay and he would he would take on little tokyo oh, tokyo. little tokyo was the like the booker uh for the, the politically correct term now or what you call him or if there's even still you know midget wrestling. There's still wrestling yeah. i don't know i don't know either to be so, honest <laughs> Yeah, old Tokyo. So Charlie Norris. A um, couple of announcers, Mick Carter oh. and George Shire. Yeah. No. Um, so th this is um, Mike Enos. He was Blake Beverly and then the Destruction Crew in the AWA. Yeah. And again, he made it uh, made it big, but um, would come towards local shows afterwards. Um, this next guy, Ricky Rice, he never really made a big either, but he was a good uh, mainstay in the AWA. Mm -hmm. uh, he was just a funny character. He called himself the prophet, and he had a good fan following, a good wrestler. Yeah. Um, this next one is Stan Stan Kowalski with yes. um, Billy Blaze. Okay. Um, this is one of my favorite shots looking through uh, like a turnbuckle at the Monday Nitro debut with Bobby Heenan. Um, and I didn't really bug him because he's like coming. Um, but I, this is one of my favorite shots. Too. Yeah, that's a good shot. Um, Jimmy Brunzel, J Jimmy Brunzel with Chris Markoff. Again, this is a good magazine shot. You can see yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Um, Colonel Robert Fuller. Um, he was uh, managing a couple of um, kind of like country boy tag team, Dick Slater and Bunkhouse Buck. I think didn't last long. Okay, so I got to tell a story about this one. Okay. Road Warrior Hawk is at is at Champs in Maplewood, and this is a local stand-up comedian called Fancy Ray McCloney. 
Okay. And Fancy Ray's shtick was he, he's the best looking man in comedy, right? And so it was kind of a cross between like Little Richard and, you know, James Brown. Yeah. And the funniest thing about this was Hawk didn't know what to make of this guy, you know? <laughs> and so I went up to Hawk and he says, like, what's this guy's deal? I'm like, well, he's a stand up comedian locally. He's got his own public access cable TV show, which is what he's interviewing you for. Mm-hmm. His deal is he's the best looking man in comedy. And yes, he was wearing makeup, which was kind of funny to me because Hawk was wearing makeup and wearing spikes. <laughs> and he didn't know how to figure this guy out, right? So, and then I, I held out my mirror to Hawk. I says, you know, is your makeup okay? He says, yeah, you know, thanks. I appreciate that. So then he was able to do the interview, you know. Yeah. So that was kind of a cool. weird thing. Yeah. So this is Ken, Ken Patera after his heyday. You know, he was sometimes a promoter, but it's unusual for me to get him smiling. He just kind of complained about everything. So yeah. um, this is a really cool shot of Lee Marshall. He was announcer for the AWA for a while, yes. and then they just hired him at WCW to kind of warm up the crowd. And as my part of my Facebook, uh, you, 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 you can see the thank you note he sent me for just sending him this photo. So he said he loved working for Vern. He had a good experience. Yeah. And I thought he had a great, uh, I think he had a great voice. Mm-hmm. So uh, next, next shot is Mr. Stay, uh, on top of Jerry Lynn and doing some sort of like a nerve technique again this is a really good magazine shot you it see is. the referee's hand in there checking yeah. uh showing you know pain showing pain and action that's perfectly lit perfectly framed um so sometimes yeah. it's almost kind of a miracle when that happens you know um norman the lunatic he didn't last very long he had a couple other gimmicks he yeah. came to minnesota for just one show okay. um t joe khan yes you know, um tom his his real name was tom Cassat. I grew up in St. Paul, but of course his gimmick was an Asian, you know, an Asian wild man, you know, with, uh, he had like a ponytail one time, that was great yeah. at the time. Yeah. And so, again, one of the nicest guys that supposedly was a savage, you know, so. Um, this is a great bloodshot of Tommy Ferrara. He had his cheeks split open, I think, by um, the yeah. lightning kid. And again, he would, he would get injured every time and just come back for more, one of the toughest guys, you know, ever. Yeah. So. Uh, this is Wellington Wilkins. He went on to work for a um, couple of Japan promotions. As far as I know, he's still there. Kind of a smaller guy, about five yeah. foot six, five foot seven. Um, oh. Let's see. This is Horace the Psychopath. <laughs> uh, everyone's favorite. Um, Kenny J. Kenny J. Yes. He, he had, you know, he had a fan following. Basically, his career was getting beaten up too, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. I met him last year at October, at uh, Crusher Fest. Nice guy. Uh, next shot is at the Mall of America. Ric Flair doing a standoff with um, Sting. Mm-hmm. Again, this isn't a in the ring magazine shot, but it's a good magazine shot because you can tell that there's a story going on here. You know. Right. Yeah. Um, Eddie Sharkey. Um, referee, manager, promoter, the closest thing we got to a mafia don in the Twin Cities. Um, <laughs> he's, his, his motto was get the money, like Ash, you know. <laughs> so another good referee, uh, Bruce Kreitzman. He was a photographer prior to doing the refereeing and I'm not sure what he's doing now. Okay. This is one of my favorite shots of, of Charlie out at the golf course. 
um every everything was just working that day you know yeah a lot of the time the guys the guys that were younger didn't know how to pose or what to do so that was always kind of a challenge you know yeah yeah another referee um this guy here larry cameron again was one that never really made it big he unfortunately died um in a ring in germany oh gosh um of a like a like a, a pulmonary or heart issues oh. and he was like 42 Oh, wow. And he was kind of got his start here, got his start here in the Twin Cities too. Yeah. So um, it's really kind of one of those, you know, tragedies that just follows yeah. wrestling. Uh, next one is is Lenny Lane. Uh, he was the preliminary guy, worked for WCW. And I'm trying to remember what his, his gimmick was. It wasn't, you know, it didn't catch on, but yeah. he, you know, he did okay for, did okay for a little while. Yeah, you know? yeah. So this is the this is a shot of the Sheik and his and his <laughs> dancing girl Lily in my backyard, you know. And I think this is a, a perfect it's, shot. Perfect it is color, a good, very good shot. Framed. Yeah. yeah. Now, here's the thing: Sheik never paid me for any of those photos, so <laughs> you know, I yeah. got you know. I got I'm just gonna it. scroll through. Yeah. This one here is the is the envelope my creden my credentials came in for the Mall of America. So. Awesome. To me, this is a big time where World Championship Wrestling is sending me something, you know. There you go. That's right. Um, this is the Sheik with that. Um, and that that's Ray Webby Jr. He's the guy that had, he was like a sports journalist in Minneapolis. And he had Wrestle Radio and he would do a wrestling column. And then um, he kind of helped promote with Eddie. Okay. The thing about Eddie was he kind of let, he kind of went through the work. So like Ray would get the stuff printed up and the tickets and then give the tickets to the guys to sell. Well, of course the wrestlers would give them all to their friends and family and coworkers. And so the place would be packed, but only like half had paid, you know? Yeah. But yeah. no, this was, um, this was Ray Rebbe who also worked it for Catholic charities and he put on rock and wrestle for the homeless and wrestle for shelter. Oh. And just one of those great guys. And unfortunately he got like hepatitis C and a couple other things mm. and just, exited this world way 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 too soon but yeah. i wouldn't have done uh photography if it wasn't for you know for this guy for ray webby so yeah. um in minnesota we didn't have many pro wrestling women but sandy partlow came from the kansas city territory and so she okay. lived here for a little while so she would work local promotions as much as she could she had yeah. a like a regular job at you know red lobster or something yeah, and she trained her daughter to trained her daughter to wrestle too, and there wasn't that many women that would, you know. So yeah, uh, and this is this is Terry Power. She came to town for this one show. Okay, she went on to the WWF. Um, I, I forget her her ring name. I think it was Terry something. Yeah. Um. So, uh, this next shot is a really cool shot. If you look closely, this is the Volcano Kid. And he's twirling fire like a Polynesian yeah. act. And he, and if you notice, look at his foot. There's fire flames on his foot. There are, yes. And um, he did one of those like Polynesian luau things at the at the Disney Land in California. And believe it or not, he's one of the of the famous family that was like um, Rodney was his cousin who went on to be Yokozuna. So okay. he's one of the wrestling famous families. Uh, the Polynesian, you know, the Tongans. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. But he never made it big, but he just kind of wanted to try it. And then he went back to California. And I don't know if he's still working for Disney or what he's doing, but he was really nice. Yeah. That's cool. Got some, you know, some photos that he needed. Um, this was Savannah Jack. He was a UWF heavyweight champion for a while. Okay. Um, he got a really good, really good push when a lot of African Americans weren't getting a push. Yeah. And so this was, you know, after his heyday. And he'd since retired and he went on to have, you know, some heart issues and end up mm -hmm. dying of heart failure too, yeah. just a few years ago. So wow. uh, he came to a local show and I took his picture and I'm glad, you know, I'm glad I did. Yeah. Um, next one is a Mr. JL. Uh, this is Jerry Lynn under hood. So he could make <laughs> some extra money. Uh, he would literally <laughs> wrestle on the same WCW program as Jerry Lynn and then come out a few minutes later as Mr. JL. It's like, oh, I wonder who that is. You know? <laughs> yeah. So you're talking about WWF, and this was Nails, Kevin yeah. Wachholz. Um, he was um, Nails, the convict, and then he kind of tried to use the gimmick afterwards, and then yeah. Vince kind of gave him a, you know, a cease and desist letter. But he went on to work a few extra years afterwards. But the rumor was that one show in Madison, he tried choking Vince McMahon. Yes, I've heard I that. I wasn't there, <laughs> you know, so... But he was he was nice to me. That was always yeah. kind of you know a concern if these guys were just slightly off center if they're going to do anything to me. But I never really had a problem. Just Terry Funk. Um, just Terry Funk. <laughs> I did get body slammed, but I'll tell you about that later. Okay. Um. So this is this is Derek Dukes. He was in the AWA for a while with yep. Scotty Zappa. Just those two guys that were in the local um, scene that just worked their butts off, but. Um, Derek was with AWA for a while. I don't know about Scott. They just kind of never made it big. So this next shot is a very unique shot. It made a full page color in one of the magazines. Oh, wow. It's Terry Power, and she's teaming with Tommy Ferrara against Jerry Lynn and Sandy Partlow. So this was a mixed tag team. This did not happen, to my knowledge, ever before. Mm -hmm. and so Terry Power was so powerful she launched tommy ferrara onto jerry lynn oh wow for the pin and so again perfect in-ring shot you got color in the background you got great lighting perfectly yeah. framed unique situation it made full page color so awesome. yeah you know i can't name. ask I can't ask for any anything better than that you know oh wow i don't know do you know this guy uh he looks familiar can't okay well he was he was a local guy uh he went by jb trask and he supposedly said that he is kenny sodbuster jay's nephew so they had a big feud because they had a family falling out right okay but this is one of those guys that thought that he was better than he was he thought he could be the next hulk hogan oh and he just isn't he just yeah. isn't yeah <laughs> So, yeah, uh, he sometimes would tag with this guy. This is Dave Siegfried, who again never made it big. He went by the name of Mr. Dynamic. Okay. Um, he's from Superior, Wisconsin. Never made it big, um, which was too bad. I thought he was, you know, a good worker. He knew his stuff. Yeah. So, this is another shot from that mixed tag team of Tommy Ferrara, Jerry Lynn, and Terry Power on top. So, again, a very unique shot inside the ring. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Wow. Randy Gusto, the judge, he was from North Dakota against um, Jeff Warner. Now, Jeff was like 6'11", 
and just huge. She was a part of a tag team called um, Maximum Overdrive. Okay. And they wanted to go to Japan. One of the partners, uh, Tim Hunt, said, no, I want to go up to Calgary. Jeff said, no, I want to go to Japan. And Tim's like, well, I don't think we're ready for Japan. So they basically split up and never made it big either because they split up. Now, Warner went on to like train ultimate fighters or MMA people. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. The, inter- the interesting story about Jeff Warner, and I'm talking about the guy on the bottom of this picture here. Okay. Again, he was 6'11", huge. But whenever he would wrestle at Northeast Minneapolis at Georgia's, his mom would be in the crowd. And whoever was beating up her son, she would get into the ring and take her shoe off and try to attack. (laughs) And, you know, her husband would tell her this isn't real. And Jeff would say, Mom, you know, you can't do that. And the security at the event was aware. And Eddie Sharkey was aware. But I tell you, every time, Mrs. Warner would, would have to protect her baby boy. So. <laughs> so this was a picture of the hater. We drove to a local um, alley in downtown Minneapolis. He found some bottles. He found a spray can. He painted hate. At one point, I've got a picture of him flipping me the finger, which is like the best. <laughs> um, this is one of those photo shoots that just basically just came out of nowhere and created itself. So. Yeah. That's pretty neat. So here's Jeff Warner throwing the referee. <laughs> uh, this guy here, he never made it big. Red Tyler, he was in the AWA as like a squash match guy. Yes. He could wrestle. He just didn't really, he didn't really have a great personality. Um, I think he was like by trade an accountant or something. Uh, okay. And he was really nice. He would tell me what his finishing finishing maneuvers are so I could get the pictures. He just never made it big, and I kind of feel real bad for him about that, you know. Yeah. But he did he did work in the AWA for a while. So all right, yeah. Derek Duke, yep. Derek Dukes. He he did one half of with Ricky Rice. I don't I don't. Do you remember what their tag Top team guns. name? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, I do. Yeah. This is a pretty good shot too. This is Steve Berg. I think he was like six eleven. He is basically just flattening Billy Blaze, you know. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's what that's what I kind of loved about this was I could capture action, you know, split seconds. You yeah. Know? Like this is Frank Anderson. He was a Swedish wrestling champion. He came to Minnesota to get trained by Brad Rangans and then worked with Eddie. And then this is Tony Denucci with a backflip, so you can notice Tony's body is just like contorted on the way down. Yeah. So that's what I kind of love. That's what I kind of loved about doing this. I could capture, you know. Yeah. Split second. This guy never made it made a big either. I'm surprised he didn't get sued for copyright infringement. You know, with a he went by the jokester. This is when some of the Batman movies were coming out. Yeah. Again, a nice kid, just never made it big, and I yeah. I kind of knew he wouldn't. His just heart wasn't in it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. This guy was Warren Bianchi. He went by the party animal. Good, solid worker. Never made it big either. Yeah. Um, this was a shot in the Northeast Armory, Minneapolis, where Hawk was facing Doink the Clown. And if you notice on the Doink's right eyebrow, yes, it's, it's blood. Mm-hmm. Um, he crawled underneath the ring. His gimmick was like a creepy clown. Yeah. And so he climbed underneath the ring. There was a big spike hanging down, and he gashed his eye for real. And he was just so mad, you know, at the whole match. And then when the match was over, I followed him to the um, restroom, and he's like, what do you want? I'm like, I, 
I need a bloodshot. And he's like, well, then take it. And so I got, you know, a shot of him <laughs> with the bloodshot because that's like gold, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I don't know. I don't think he ever came back. And um, I think he was one of those that um, sustained, you know, chronic traumatic brain injury. Okay. And I think his, I think his widow is like one of those that's suing the WWE for that. So yeah. that kind of explains a lot, you know? Yeah. So uh, this is a yeah. good entering shot. Johnny Love. He had a, he owned a gym in Northeast Minneapolis. A lot of the guys trained there. Okay. He never really made it big either, but he was one of those guys that everyone respected. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's wrestling Jerry Lynn. He, he could really wrestle too, you know? Yeah. Uh, this is Louis Spicoli. He was he started off in ECW and then um, he made it big a while. Again, one of those tragic stories where he passed away very young because he was addicted to painkillers. Oh yeah. Um, but he was, you know, he was real nice uh, with me. Yeah. Um, of course, mouth one of the, the most recognized manager, Mouth of the South. Yeah. Um, this is a great shot too. This is um, Barry Darso as the Repo Man, uh. and then he's. He's facing Chad, who went by the chosen one. And unfortunately, Chad had like a car accident and hurt his back. So he just faded off into the sunset. But he kind of wanted to like, um, you know, preach goodness. And uh, yeah. he was religious. And so he's kind of wanted to bring that to the wrestling scene, which was a good notion at the time. But it just never, yeah. you know, went very far. So yeah. this is Lord Littlebrook. For a while there, he was the booker of the midget wrestlers. Yeah. So he would come and face, you know, Little Tokyo or, um, you know, the Karate Kid or a few other guys. Yeah. This is another guy, um, um, Beef Burton, Tom Burton. And he was a good, solid worker. Unfortunately, he was on the steroids, too. And he passed away very, you know, suddenly at a young age, too. So. Nice. Yeah, that's too bad. Uh, ah. Yeah. So that's... Um, Nick Bockwinkle and Mick Karch, yeah. those two guys just, you know, were the best of friends. And um, what can you say? Yeah. This is a great wrestling gimmick that didn't go as far as it should have. This is the the Tasmaniac. Okay. And that's that's Taz. You know, you hear him doing yeah. color commentary. That's him? And I thought, that's him. And I thought this was like the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, you don't know what this is. Is this an animal? Is this, you know? Yeah. And he told the manager, you know, that he he just basically like plays a crazy wild man, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. and he I think he wrestled um, Brad Ringens at this show is in the Indian Center in Minneapolis, and they just basically put on a good wrestling, you know. Match. Yeah. So cool. uh, this is Kurt Henning at a autograph signing session. I think this is when his back was injured, so he's basically uh, doing stuff stuff yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah. Macho man, um, you know, I kept my distance. He was bleary eyed and I just got my shots and got out of there. You know, that was at the um, yeah. Hard Rock Cafe. Okay. One of those things you don't see very often. They did a invitational bass tournament. So this okay. is Road Warrior, Road Warrior Animal on a okay. boat after he's coming in. Okay. Um, this is, I got to show you this. If you look up the upper right, it says Bill Apter, photographer. Yes. Mark, good stuff, but I need ID on most. Please ID and resubmit. Thanks. Yeah. And then, yes, a regular flow of photos is okay. So on the letterhead from Bill Apter. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I, I, I kept I, that. So. Nice guy, Bill Apter. I, like I said, did a podcast. Heck of a nice guy. 
Um, this was Charlie Norris on the left with a little fan. Um, his name is Kevin. Okay. I'm sure, you know, Kevin had some sort of physical disability and they're always very nice to him. And this is on the right. It's, um, he goes by the name of Sam Houston, but his yes. real name is Michael, is Michael Smith. Mm -hmm. And he's the, the half brother to Jake, the snake Roberts and son of, um, Grizzly Smith. Right. Yeah. And so they did kind of a cowboy and Indian tag team for a while. Gotcha. Okay. You know. Um, this was the Nasty Boys out in Sturgis with Gene being interviewed in the middle of the ring. Yeah. Uh, this is one of my favorite shots too. Again, you normally want to look through the rings, but this kind of tells another story. This is Brian Pillman being placed in one of those excruciating holds by Jushin Thunder Liger. Yes. And then this is at the Mall of America with Nick Patrick. Um, asking him if he wants to submit. Um, yeah. This is just a, a standard shot of, um, of course, a psycho and Dan Jesser and Eddie Sharkey. Okay. Yeah. Um, Tommy Jammer was a preliminary guy for AWA. Yeah. He kind of did like a surfer and that maybe skateboarding guy gimmick. Uh, yeah. He never kind of made it big. Uh, again, I think he was like an accountant or lawyer or something that went on to a normal life. Uh, Wild Bill Irwin. He'd always bring that crazy bull rope, you know, and snap yeah. that thing, which was kind of scary. Yeah. Um, this was this was past his AWA prime too, so he just would show up at local shows and yeah. kind of do the same thing. This is Brian Christopher, you know, the guy that I saved from a medical emergency. Right. Um, <laughs> that was that was Jerry Lawler's son, yeah. and I think he's passed away now. Yeah, so, he he so. died. Uh, I think last year or the year before. Yeah, he passed away unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So he he did a he did a match with Chris Candido, and it's kind of interesting to see who the crowd would pick as the favorite. So yeah, and that was kind of a unique. This is the hater giving Tommy Farrar a drink behind the bar at one of the local bars. <laughs> they would just take it all over the place. Yeah. This is what this is one of my favorite shots. Rick Renslow came to my house, and we trudged out to my backyard and took some senior time to you know. Yeah. Yeah. So he That's went awesome. on to also also do a gimmick called Big Trucker Daddy and whatever. So I he knew the story. He knew how to pose. He knew what to do. One of the shots I got back and I can see is like wedding ring. It's like, well, I should have spotted that. You know, a, a wild Alaskan wouldn't, you know, be married. So, <laughs> so um, this is Saturday Night at Ringside. I don't know if you've talked about Nick's TV show he had on for about four years. Okay. Um, and basically, he did interviews between wrestling shows. So it was like an NWA show. It was either like a global or USWA or world-class championship show. He would do like fan of the week or wrestling news or where are they now? Or, you know, talk about local promotions. And then he yeah. would have on guests. So huh. this was the Golden Idol who was a, um, a manager. And just a great gimmick. You know, you just love to hate him. And so Mick would always just play it up. You know, and this is Mick Karch with um, his favorite Waller Ball, AWA Day, um, mm -hmm. you know, promoter. Yes. And so it was kind of a favorite. And this is a great shot, too, because this is Sean Waltman who went on to become one, two, three kid, lightning kid, X Pac, yes. you know, and so this is him giving Mick Karch a hug. <laughs> um, this is JB Trask with um, Dave Siegfrieds after a match. This is, um, I think he went by the name of Playboy Buddy Wolf. Um, Buddy Wolf, really yeah. Know him. Yeah. So he was just on the anniversary show with Mick. Okay. 
Um, this is one of the guys that you should know. This is uh, Ray Stevens. I was going to say, is that the Crippler? He, yeah. It's the Crippler. This was obviously way past his prime. I think he suffered from COPD or emphysema or something. So he was in pretty rough shape. But yeah. of course, when you're at a wrestling card, you got to get in and, you know, mm. act like you can still do it. So this is Tommy Farrar holding him back. <laughs> this is a great shot I love. This is Kurt Henning. Little brother, Jesse Henning, who just got out of the service and didn't know what to do with his life and thought, well, he'll train with Brad Ringens. And then this is Larry the Axe. Yeah. So um, these shots were at Rockford, Minnesota, a small local bar. I had heard somewhere that this was going to happen. So I showed up and, of course, got, you know, my shots. And then, of course, Mama was there. <laughs> and so I took a handkerchief out of my pocket. And I said, Mom, pretend like you're wiping his face. <laughs> and um jesse pretend like you know you hate it like a little kid yeah and so this the whole family you know yeah yeah and that's awesome this next shot is it's a very interesting shot of this is jimbo star he okay. was a local guy and what's interesting about him is that he's com he's completely deaf he oh. can't hear and so um when he was in the ring it was difficult to communicate with him and he could have made it bigger than he did but he just never went very far. He never really worked out, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, I thought, you know, they'll teach him to kind of advance, you know, yeah. people with disabilities. And so I got to speak. He, he was just like overweight and out of shape, and he could have done better than he did. But yeah. so that was yeah. like a snapshot in time, you know. Yeah. This is a local uh, manager, Carmine Barana Jr., who just okay. never went on to do anything. This is Lightning Kid. Uh, let, let me sit back here lightning kid right john waltman there he is he was best friends with jerry lynn right your best friends best friends with jerry lynn they were going to make it big they did but they beat the crap out of each other and had a feud everywhere around the midwest right yeah and at one of the matches it was uh you know i shave your head match right so he shaved jerry lynn's head and they saved the hair and offered a little bit of hair in baggies for five bucks a pop with certificates of authenticity wow and so on an interview i heard sean say yeah no they made three or four hundred bucks from selling that hair you know wow so that was you know ingenuity you know yeah. good marketing yeah so this is yeah this is an action shot of hulk hogan getting poked in the eyes by big boss man at the mall of america yeah um jeff warner on um randy gusto i think Stan Kowalski, everyone just absolutely loves him or any picture or anytime anyone talks about Stan. He was a little bit before my time. So. Yeah, me too, yeah. Um, yeah. This is a good good shot of Road Warrior Hawk and Eddie Sharkey, and I, I think that's Ole Anderson. That is Ole Anderson, yeah. So. They didn't come, he didn't come to town very often, but his whole, you know, he was a Southern boy, but his whole gimmick was, he was Minnesota. a Minnesotan, you yeah. know, so... The next shot, this is um, this is Kathy Osmondson. She would shoot with me, and she would send her pictures to Japanese wrestling magazines. Okay. And uh, they would publish hers, and she would just send send off her undeveloped film. And for years, she stayed away. And um, so, yeah, I just kind of wanted to mention her. Yeah. Um, this is Wayne Bloom, who yep. went on to be one of the Beverly's, and I don't remember if it was Blake or the other one. Yeah, I never really liked to see him because he was always he was always drunk, and oh. um, 
he would always, you know, when guys, when guys are drunk, they think they're clever, more clever than they are. And so yeah. he would, you know, show me, try to teach me how to do shots and stuff. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> just, you know, mind your own business. <laughs> so this is a great shot of Brad Rangans overseeing Jesse Henning, trying to show him, you know, um, certain holds and stuff. And this was mm -hmm. at Brad's training camp in Hamill, Minnesota. So this was like a very privileged view. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if Brad ever allowed a photographer in before. Yeah. And so he'd seen me at a couple of shows and I called him up and I came out on a Sunday and Jesse was there and he was training about six or eight guys. Okay. So basically it's in like a, it's like in a separate shed from the house that's attached mm -hmm. to the house. Okay. It was a swimming, swimming pool one time. They, they covered the swimming pool up with concrete and put it up a ring. And that's where he trained all these guys for all these years. Wow. Um, this is Pat Tanaka. He was one half of the AWA tag teams with Paul Diamond. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This picture, I got to tell you a little story about that. This is Jamie Mangan, the hater with the Punisher and Golden Idol. And you look at Jamie Mangan, look at his, his hand. He's mm -hmm. holding his belt upside down. <laughs> so I gave him a hard time about not knowing which way's up. And he says, listen, you're the photographer. You should have noticed that. <laughs> and you know what? He was absolutely right. And so anytime I took a picture of anything, I made sure nothing was in the background. You know, there wasn't glare. So it was kind of a lesson learned the hard way. That was a good lesson, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So right. This, this one is Shavo Guerrero against Conan out in Sturgis. Okay. Wow. Alundra, Alundra Blaze, Stump Masamoto out in Sturgis. Okay. Yeah. Diamond Dallas Page uh, with me and Gene getting interviewed. This is Paul Orndorff. He was a booker at the time. He was basically planning the matches almost as they were going on. Yeah. He was, you know, past his prime too. This is a Spanish announced team, Pedro Morales. Okay. And I think his first name is, and that. Um, this is um, Medusa Michelli with my buddies at a radio taping. That's when she yeah. was with the AWA, just started. Okay. She's had different, you know, yeah. um, different different characters and different looks. Yeah. And I don't, maybe we should just end on this one here, okay. uh, Brian. This is my, one of my favorite shots. Of, yeah. Um, Again, the most the most recognized sports figure in the world has his hands around my throat. <laughs> that I just never thought that would happen. You know, that's awesome. So, that's that's great. No, I I love it, love it. That's great. No, um, a lot of pictures, a lot of good stuff, uh, a lot of interesting uh, perspectives on those shots. And let me ask you this uh, before we. Uh, what was probably one of your favorite events you went to to take to take pictures and interact with wrestlers? Is there a certain event for you that just you, it just sticks out in your mind that that was awesome? Well, yeah, as far as the awesome, well, there's about three or four, but the one was probably that um, they call it Hog Wild in 1996 for WCW. Yeah, and it was basically my buddy and I drove all night from Minneapolis, like at 10 p.m. As we were getting there, a storm came in and pretty much demolished their ring and their rigging and their lights. And so we got there at 7 a.m. the next morning and um, they had to reset everything up. And then there was a closed press conference with Hulk Hogan announcing the NWO stuff that I got a you know press credential to. Um, Hulk Hogan's and my birthday is the same day. 
Oh, wow. Again, I had too much sun, not enough food, not enough sleep, not enough water. I just saw all these guys, you know, yeah. that I had watched growing up. And I was like in there and I had press credentials. So that was really quite cool. cool. The NWA shows that came to town with the Road Warrior Hawk and Terry Funk. And, you know, the other one on Brooklyn Park, that was that was pretty cool, too. Yeah. But again, just seeing guys like Jimmy Snuka, you know, I'd see him on TV. And the next thing yeah. I know, they're like 10 feet away, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, that one that hog wild in yeah. um, Sturgis was, was awesome. pretty cool. Because when we got back, my friend and I, we looked at these photos like, can you believe that just happened? You yeah. Know? Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. One more question. And then what are you doing now? You said you were working on your dissertation. Uh, kind of talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I basically, for a job, I work security. So I'm a security officer. I've done that for about 20 years now. And basically, that's allowed me to go to school. So mm -hmm. I went on to get a master's in, in mass communications. And then right now, I'm working on my doctorate of education leadership. And that degree is going to be called the EDD. It's similar to a PhD, but it's for practitioners and for people that want to like teach adult working professionals. Yeah. And my dissertation is on medical and science, continuing medical education. So I'm going wow. to be interviewing doctor. I'm going to be interviewing doctors. Yeah. And I want to know why they take certain choices for their continuing medical education and why they don't choose certain others. Okay. And so I'm in a process now. I'll be doing something similar where I'm going to be interviewing about 10 to 12 doctors for my dissertation and then i have to transcribe those interviews and kind of extract common themes and values yeah. and morals from that and so um i've already um completed the three chapters of that and in the program i completed the comprehensive exam phase and the 18 courses so that was you know four years worth of classes and yeah. I don't know if there's such a thing as, as post-traumatic stress, but I'm sure I had some sort of version of that, you know? Yeah, I bet you um, did. And so, yeah, so that's kind of the stage I'm at now. So uh -huh. something like this is kind of fun for me where I can talk about something fun rather than yeah. just thinking about, you know, school. Yeah. But so, yeah, so that's what I'm doing. I'm working on my doctorate of education leadership. Well, good for you and, and good luck with all that. And Mark? I want to thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate it. I got a good insight on the photography and, and those pictures. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mark A. Peterson, sir, thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Brian. It was fun. It was. And folks, if you're watching, thank you. If you're listening, thank you. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. And we'll talk to you soon.